What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain so i don't know if you guys are aware of it but anything that you put on your skin gets in your skin. And once it's in your skin, it's in your body, it's in your bloodstream. So there's a lot of us that eat like organic food and we eat a bunch of healthy stuff and we think, wow, we're doing things that are so healthy for our body. And then we put on some fucking arm and hammer deodorant or something that's really toxic under our armpits, which are highly absorbent. And we're getting all of these chemicals inside our body. So that organic kale that you were trying or that organic broccoli that doesn't matter because we're putting fucking chemicals on our skin in our body all over ourselves we're just getting in our body anyways that's the importance of having a really high integrity ingredient list in all your skincare products that's why i like alaturanaturals.com you guys have heard me talk about this company they were the ones who sent me a whole bunch of stuff when i got in my car accident that helped repair my face I'm still using it today. I'm using it for their scent, which is presence, which is fucking awesome. I talked about that on the Hal Elrod podcast and also their gold serum for my face and their whole line of skincare stuff. They got some dope single blade razors. They have a whole really cool line. And the beauty of it is every ingredient is of the quality that I would want any on it ingredient to be of. Because as I said, what goes on your body gets in your body. So please check it out. Go to alituranaturals.com. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A naturals.com slash Aubrey. And you'll see my face in partial states of recovery. And you'll also get the opportunity to use the Aubrey coupon code and save yourself 20%. So please support the podcast, support Alatura, and go check it out. Thank you so much. Not only was Karen Rinaldi the publisher of my book, Own the Day, Own Your Life, but now she published her own book. And through this whole process, we've become close friends. And her book, It's Great to Suck at Something, is rad. I can't wait for you guys to get a taste of what that book has in store. So before I introduce Karen Rinaldi, I want to talk about where I met her. And this was when I was out pitching my book with my agent, walking into a bunch of different publishers and everybody kind of laying out their best, you know, yeah. kind of foot forward, their ideas, all the things that, you know, a lot of people had a lot of interest in the book and a lot of questions for me. And we just sat down and it was pretty much me and you and the agent and maybe there's one other person. And we just started talking about stuff. Yep. And I left that meeting and I go, Bird, she's fucking awesome. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, she is, right? He's like, I don't think she read my book or the proposal really. But she knew me and she got it. And yeah. by looking at it there, like we knew each other. And 
at that point, it wasn't even about the money anymore, even though you guys did make a generous offer and mm-hmm. it was all good. You know, Harp, you're the SVP at Harper Wave and you have the ability to make those decisions. But I knew from that point, I was like, oh, I just want to work with somebody who I really respect and who I know that I can get along with and that we can co-create this thing together. Yeah. And at, not only through the book process, which was amazing. I mean, everybody tells these stories about how oh, I had to work with the publisher and oh, blah, blah, blah. It was like a breeze. It was amazing. It doesn't and always happen that way. <laughs> it doesn't always happen <laughs> no, that way. No, it doesn't. So it has a lot to do with you, as you know. Well, thank you. And a little bit about me, but yeah. absolutely. But I, I think we just had a kind of a co-resonance. You yeah, know, there was like a, an accord with the way that we were thinking about things. And, um, and that's extended long past the book launch into a bunch of really amazing conversations. And now you have a book Yay! in front of me that we started talking about at lunch. And I wish I had like a little lavalier mic for our conversation at lunch because it was so good. But we'll get into all that. Um, and it's just great to have you on here and well, be able thanks. to have this conversation and um, see where it goes and talk about your new book. It's great to suck at something. The exceptional benefits of being unexceptional. Yeah, sounds like bad news, but it's actually good news. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's and and that's the point of it, and the point of the cover, I think, which is meant to say, you know, this is this is fun. Sucking at something is fun, but I want to just say from the you know very beginning when you and I met, I you know I have these meetings all the time in publishing, right? So this is this is what we do. I probably have them three a week, mm-hmm. and when magic happens and. I don't even know what that is. That's something about opening yourself up to the universe, opening your, up yourself to another person. And I did feel like we saw each other in that meeting. And yep. it was, it, it's it, the experience you should know is just as awesome and amazing for me as it is for, you know, it's good to hear it from the author's point of view because you say, okay, so what is that like going in there? You're meeting all these people and, you know, you don't know what to expect. It's not mm-hmm. the world. You know, I do these meetings all the time, but when the magic happens, I live for those. I just live for those moments. And also because I know from the thing that I do is that it's the beginning of a relationship because in publishing, whether you're the writer or the publisher, editor, uh, writer, it's the beginning of a relationship. And it's a pretty intimate relationship. So you get to go places together. And what's fun about having a book come out is that I get to sit on the other side of the desk and it's humbling and it's, it's, scary and i get to experience what my authors experience which is because there must be all of that pressure because you're reading how many books do you read in in a year or a week or a month i mean books and proposals i i i you know my my sons sort of tease me and they'll say so i'm either i'm either reading i'm editing or i'm writing or I'm reading, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know, I yeah, don't, yeah. I mean, what, or I'm surfing, or but surfing. we're, we're going to talk about that, you know, or cooking, but mostly what you do in this world is that it's when I have free time, I get to read, Yeah, which is a crazy I thing get to, to read. And that's an important read. thing that you say, because yeah. that's your fucking job, but you're not saying I have to read. No, you're saying I get to read. I get to read. I get to read something else, something yeah. I'm not working on that not to, and again, this is a point in the book, not to work more. It's just that, you know, I'm a publisher for a reason. I always say that, you know, editors and editors are, I basically suck at something for a living. I get uh-huh. paid to suck at something, meaning I'm not an expert in anything except publishing. 
but I get all of these people who are full of knowledge and a lifetime of, of, of research and professional building stuff to come you know, to a publisher and say, I want to write a book. And I get to do a deep dive on that subject, you know, whether it's you and you're talking about, you know, wellness and fitness and, you know, emotional centeredness, or if it's a head of state, or if it's an artist or a doctor or, um, you know, name something, I get to do a deep dive. So I'm not an expert in any of it, but I get to skate on the surface of it and I get to like learn a little bit of everything. And it's always a great privilege. I mean, it's a great, great privilege. So it's weird to then be the the other person on the other <laughs> side and say, well, what do I know? I don't <laughs> right. actually know anything. <laughs> I know how to suck at something. I know how to, but I know how to suck at something. <laughs> I can talk about that. So that's part of where the book came from. But, you know, it also came from asking myself the very hard question, um, why do I keep doing it? Why do I... Why do I what surfing? And this is surfing. This is a thing that mm-hmm. I I love to do almost more than anything else and that I'm the worst at. And that conundrum brought me to ask me myself these deep questions. Like, why would you keep doing something that you're never going to get really good at? Mm-hmm. And this book is really the answer to that. And what I've found is that it doesn't matter if it's you know, surfing was my thing to suck at, but I think everybody has, a, there's a, there are a million awesome things to suck at. And I think what mm-hmm. we do is we don't enter them because we're afraid of not being good. I want to, I've always wanted to throw pottery, but oh, I'll never be a great potter. Yeah. So what? So make little pinch pots. Yep. Who cares? And you sometimes know I mean? those lumps are going to slam against the wall <laughs> because you're spinning the wheel and it's off centered and it gets all <laughs> lopsided. And, exactly. Yep, and you know what? That's happen. Part, and that's, and that's part of it, you know, so, or golfing or tennis or cooking or writing. I mean, you know, writers are great at sucking at things because most of what most writers write is crap. Yeah. And then you have to get to the good stuff. So it's, there are, it's a lot of practice. Yeah. I remember writing, writing the <laughs> yeah. book, I would write something, think it was good. And I would go back a week later yeah. and read it and be like, did a child write this? <laughs> like what infant came and wrote this bullshit? You know, I remember rewrite it. I remember you telling me like, this shit is hard. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really hard. And you were just saying, I remember at the end of it, you were saying, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if I'm going to do this thing. I'm like, you're going to do it again. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm already fired up. I'm already <laughs> excited about it. it. I was like, what hard? No, it's great. Yeah, exactly. You, you, reframe it, you reframe in your memory. And that's, Right. It's interesting how, you know, with with writing, it's one thing because it's such a diligent process and there's so many. Right. But like golf is a funny one because people get so emotionally attached to the expectation of how good they think they are or once were or should be. Totally. That if you miss a shot, you'll fucking throw a club and get all mad and like yeah. emotionally unstable. Like what? Yeah. Who cares? It's a, it's a stick with a ball. <laughs> yeah. Relax. Why would you attach meaning to that for sure relax yeah, especially when you're with you all right maybe if you're in the pga and it's millions but they actually don't have a reaction because they know well, those reactions are caustic those reactions yes. take them out of the moment that fear that would create that reaction you know so that they don't do that but it's just a funny thing how we get in and we'll immediately immediately allow our ego to say oh i'm this good and i have to be this good and if i'm not this good then I suck and then I'm not worthy and then I don't love myself and then fuck. Uh, it's this death spiral. Absolutely. And you think people are noticing. Yeah. Everybody's going to notice Everybody's that I'm not notice. good at this thing. I'm like, <laughs> no, honestly, mostly people aren't paying attention. Yeah. They're just, you know, people have their own crap that they're dealing with. 
And even if they are, your response to their paying attention is really where the work gets done, right? You can you can you can worry about what people are saying or thinking or, you know, or you can just say that's their opinion. That's mm. their place. That that doesn't really touch me. Now that takes practice. Sure. It, it takes it definitely takes practice. But it's interesting that you mentioned like professional golfers and I think this is an interesting point of 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 reference for the book which is the whole suck at something ethos is what you know I, is is that it's not transactional. You want to you want to make something in your life. And this is you know you think oh that's easy it's not tra-, you know don't make it transactional. But you realize that we had, we we make a lot of things transactional. Whether you're getting yeah. paid for it or you say if I do this for this person then they're going to do something for me or I've done this thing and am I you know I'm a, I'm I'm awesome so that means awesomeness will come my way and actually that's just not true. Yeah. So we attach these transactions to outcomes. And my thing is like no, one of the rules of sucking at something it is not transactional. You do it to do it period end of story that's it that's what you get. I mean, so many things we do transactionally. I mean, even yeah. the things that are supposed to be magical and special and whatever, like sex. Yes. We'll, yes. Get, a, we'll, we'll get in a transactional orgasm game where we're counting orgasms. Yeah, you get one, I get one. You get, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, or like, so you get it with somebody, I get two, or like, whatever, <laughs> yes. like whatever yes. the thing is. Like, and as soon as you start making it transactional, you're not actually having sex anymore. No, you're, you're calculating not. in your mind. You're no. outside of that present moment where the magic happens and the smells and the feels and the connection and your hearts collapse into one. And it's all this merger of sloppy saliva and bliss. That's not happening when you're counting it. No, because then it transactional. becomes currency. <laughs> yes. And as soon as you turn something into currency, you just kill it. <laughs> You know, and that's part of the practice. So, I mean, there are a lot of lessons here, but that is definitely part of the practice. And I always say, like, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to throw pottery, don't open up the storefront. If you're going to write poetry, don't try to go get it published. You know, if you're going to learn Latin, you know, don't try to, you know, go and and decipher some of the great texts. Just do the thing. Just do mm-hmm. it. Do it. Don't try to get paid for it. Don't try to get somebody to say, hey, you're really good at it. I mean, one of the things that I had to deconstruct, and again, it's like this process was through, you know, I've been surfing for 17 years, and I still suck at it. Can you imagine? <laughs> like, that takes some discipline, man, to like do something and keep doing it for 17 years, and you're still bad at it. Um, but part of that was me saying to myself, so what happens what happens when you keep doing, like, there must be something you're getting out of it, right? There must be something. And, you know, there's the experience in my case of sitting in the water, of waiting for a wave, of getting hammered. I mean, a good part mm-hmm. of it is like getting hammered and humbled by doing something where I don't have control. Like, you know, do I have control over my professional, you know, publishing life? Actually, you know, that's a tough thing to have control over. But I do have control over the cadence of my day and the books sure. I choose to publish and how I choose to publish them. But you go into a place where, you are not the master of that mm-hmm. situation. Now, somebody like Laird Hamilton and Kelly Slater and all the, you know, Shane Dorian and all the great surfers in the world, you know, they have some modicum of control out there because they're so good at what they do. And I'm on the opposite side. And you think, well, okay, so there's a world of difference between what I do and what they do. But because people think surfing is cool, people would think, oh, you surf, you're kind of like... That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. I'm like, no, no, not when I surf. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's messy. It's, it, it is it's so, ugly. it is so ugly. Um, and it, yeah, and I always say it's, it's, it's not pretty, but pretty is not the point. 
But people really thought it was like a humble brag. Like, uh-huh. oh, yeah, but still, like, you know, yeah, but you do surf. Like, you get out there with your surfboard, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I finally just posted, like, a video of me surfing. And then somebody came up to me and said, wow, you, like, you really do suck at surfing. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you were picturing, like, you know, you know, you were, you know, you were pr- picturing a professional, you know, what you see yeah, in the yeah, videos, yeah, yeah. you know, carving up and down a short board and a bikini. Yeah, I'm on a long board. I've got a long <laughs> sleeve surf costume on, you know. I'm yeah. mostly falling off the board, you know, when I do surf. Like, my arms go up in the air in a really awkward way. Um, but it feels good. Yeah. It feels so good. I wouldn't give it up for anything in the world. But that idea that you do something and even, you know, part of your brain sort of likes the fact that I have this, you know, this hobby or this this distraction or whatever you want to call it that people think is cool. And I realized I got caught up in that a little bit too. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Yeah. Surfing. Surfing is that. You get that cool. initial positive feedback, right? You that do. That initial thing, that initial hit of the dopamine and acceptance yeah. and that kind of tribal, ooh, I'm surfing and people like it. And yeah. they light up when yeah. I do it. I'm going to keep doing that thing. Right, right. You know, and, and then, then you're then doing you, it for the wrong reason. And then you, exactly. Then you're no longer surfing. Then you're putting on a show. Yes, <laughs> and, exactly. And it, to a some degree. And it's all gradients, right? Like, I think people make the mistake of saying, oh, you're putting on a show. Oh, or you're thinking about sex, just transactionally. Like, it's always a mixture. Like, everything is like a blend and a gradient. But- it's not the pure expression if there is that blend, you know? So it's not like it has to be one or the other totally. But as soon as you have a little bit of that poison in there, yeah, it's just not quite the same flavor. Well, you know? it's not. And you bring up a really good point, though, is that the, 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 the combination of the two. And I think you, that veers into the idea of wanting a witness. So and a witness could be in sex. It could be just your, your lover who you're sharing that with. And that's the most intimate kind of witness. And then it could be a witness where you, you know, do a podcast and people love your podcast. So they Mm -hmm. come back for more, you know, I catch, you know, one in 30 waves that I go for and I surf it well. And somebody sees me do, I do want someone to see it. And this goes back to Hannah Arendt, who basically says that having, you know, we want a witness because a witness confirms reality for us. I mean, it's a basic (sighs) human need and tendency so we don't want to pathologize that so and i say oh people aren't paying attention you know they don't give a shit because they've got their own stuff going on yes but and this is like with everything yes but the wanting a witness and needing a witness is and this is what we talk about being witness to someone's pain being witness to someone's joy being witness it confirms that you exist mm. so it's powerful and you don't want to conflate that with ego yeah though we are egotistical beings because we're human, right? So it's, I know this look, it, you know, the, the, the book is fun and it's, it's, it's got a lot of, you know, a lot of humorous stuff in it. But at the end of it, it's like, this is serious stuff, right? Like, you know, you do, it's okay to want to witness and you can, you, yeah. can, you can surrender to that and then understand what it's about and why. That's actually really powerful because I think you can get so focused on, generating your own self-worth generating your own self-love making everything completely autonomous you know where it's just all everything that you have is within you and you don't really need anything else but fuck is it not a fundamental human desire to be seen and to be seen and witnessed in totality yes in whatever way that is whether that's but that but that thing not only does it call out your best in a certain way because you can But it also, like it does, it confirms your existence in reality, you know, in a a really interesting and beautiful way. And I think 
it is it is kind of a, a dance between saying like no i have what i need inside i don't need these large validation pieces that make right. me feel like a man or feel worthy or feel right. cool or feel all these things but fuck is it nice to be seen to be seen and to be accepted mm-hmm. for how you're being seen so one of the great oh this brings me to one of the one of my sort of favorite thoughts about this which is and this is hard this this took me a really long time to learn and again, I'll just go back to the experience of being in the water because that's where it happens. But of course, it applies to anything that we do. When you're out in the water and you're in the lineup, like you are exposed. Everybody can see you. Go for a wave, miss a wave, fall off the wave, take, you know, get hammered or make it, right? Mostly for me, I'm missing it or I'm wiping out, right? That's what happens. But when you get okay with being seen and having people witness your failure, Right. You have to get really comfortable with that. And that's true when we speak in public. It's true when we do so many things. I mean, it's true in the intimacy of a relationship, in a community, uh, in a performance. And, and, you know, you you can just go concentric circles. Right. It just goes out. Mm -hmm. But in the lineup, you know, got other people out there. Mostly they want your wave, frankly. You know, that wave there is. There, it, you could say that you know waves are scarce. There's a scarcity out there. Usually in a, in a lineup, there's a, there's some scarcity. So you got to be okay with people watching you fail. And when you get okay with that, that's when magic happens. Because you know mm-hmm. what really happens. Instead of trying to cover up that, yeah, I got this. I'm good. Like I can really. Oh damn, I just missed that wave because you know. You know, I wasn't, you know, my board. There was something wrong with my board, man. I think I have the wrong board for the, you know, for this, yeah. for, for these kinds of ways. Instead, you go like, well, oh, missed another one. People are, want to help. It invites kindness. It invites yeah. generosity. It invites patience. It invites people to help you out. And most of us want to say, I got this. I mean, I know I definitely fall into this category. It's like, you know, I want to be, you know, I want to be my own master. I got this. I'm good. I can handle it. And to just say, I I don't, I don't, I don't have this, whatever it is, whether it's something you're going through that's very um, scary Mm -hmm. in your personal life, emotional life, you know, psychological life, family, or just being out in the ocean where, you know, it's scary too. When you say, I, I don't I don't have this, I don't yeah. know what to do, and then you invite the best that people have to give. And when you don't open up to that vulnerability, you're keeping people away. Yeah, and you're actually, it becomes impossible for them to love you because you're creating a projection. <clears throat> and that projection, if that's the only thing that they can see, that's the only thing that they can love. But guess what? Your projection is a fucking illusion. It's not real. It's not you. Your heart's not contained there in it. So this cool guy that's okay with everything and it's all good, yeah. people are going to interact with that avatar and not interact right. with you yeah. yourself. Yeah. So you preclude yourself from the possibility of any actual substantial love, help, assistance, being seen and all. Is really yeah. you just want to be seen and have someone smile and yeah. be like, no, it's all good. You know, that was like the greatest metaphor that this yeah. plant medicine shaman gave me for the way that Christ consciousness responds, right? Christ consciousness is not like it looks at you and looks at your sins and judges you and says, that's too bad. You know, really, you shouldn't have done. And then <laughs> right, has all this right. judgment. And then you, and then eventually it's like, okay, but I'll forgive you this time. Right. It's like, 
Christ consciousness knows no record of wrong. It doesn't have to forgive you because it doesn't even see the wrong. It sees beyond that. And the forgiveness is immediate and ever present and has always been there. And it's just love. And there's not even a flinch, not even a moment where that idea of Christ consciousness would say like, oh, look at you, blah, 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 blah. No, it's just love unconditional love and acceptance without the need for penance without the need for self-judgment and punishment and all of these do 25 hail marys and you know bow (laughs) down a little deeper no it's just fucking love yeah and like that we won't get that from the world but we can get approximations of that we can get some and sometimes things that feel damn close to that where you just radically vulnerable you open up to your friends your tribe your community your partner and they're just like oh i see you i have compassion i'm with your suffering and i love you but i don't judge it because i've been there too yes yes and it's fucking magic and like let me help let me help let me help you yeah i mean what's better than an assist (laughs) from another human or from the universe and you can't do that if you're just doing the stuff that you know how to do and you don't put yourself at risk and you don't let yourself be vulnerable. Like you're not gonna, you're not gonna get any of it. It's like the, it's so hard for us to understand that. And this is the thing, like when I first started talking about sucking at something, and this is, by the way, this is like a 10 year project, right? I started this 10 (laughs) years ago because because I suck I've at been it, in but. a 37 year project at <laughs> well, sucking thir- at something. Well, 37, <laughs> well, yeah, 50, 57. So yeah, I've been doing it a really long time too. But, you know, trying to articulate it. And what I found in the beginning, because it's talking, it goes back to what you were just saying, is that people would get very uncomfortable. I'd say, you know what? You know, people would come into my office and the first thing I would ask them is like, so I'm going to ask you a question before we start talking. And I was like, what do you suck at? And people would go, uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I really, I'm, I'm, that makes me uncomfortable. It's like, oh, okay, this is not the way in. Yeah. I can't just ask somebody that question. And I noticed it made people deeply uncomfortable. And I thought, well, I have to sort of fess up first. Yeah. I've got to tell you. Gotta you go first. I got to go first. I got to yeah. tell you like where that is. And then once you do that, and then you start, like I've had the most extraordinary conversations, you know, like hour long lunches where somebody would tell me about, you know, playing tennis or buying a boat and trying to sail the boat or trying to do, you know, people would do, all of a sudden it opened them up. It's like, yeah, I do this. Or I've always wanted to sing, but I'm mm. afraid to sing. I said, why? You know? Well, because my voice isn't good. So? Bob Dylan has a good voice? I mean, like, really? Like, I mean, it's extraordinary. But, like, so just sing. Or I want to play guitar. Or but that wanna... self-judge is a fucking But it stops beast. you before you even start. And that's what I'm saying. Don't let it stop you before you start. And so do it. And by the way, to find the thing you suck at and that you're going to want to do, start 10 things. Start 20 things. It might not be the thing, but you don't know. Somewhere down the line, you might fall in love with macrame i don't know <laughs> but it's <laughs> also it is. it's also a way for you to actually go up against the dragon of self-judgment right like totally. this is your way to put on you know grab your fucking excalibur and say okay the dragon of self-judgment will be present and it will be present and find something that's yeah. present in a strong way yeah and say yeah. all right i'm gonna have to bear the fire of this until i learn to quell this dragon right, right. like there was a <laughs> and so Whitney has had a special meaning attached to singing 
right? She's very, she has, she has a self-judge. I have a self-judge. We, that's yeah. one of the things yeah. that we're both mutually, you know, <laughs> have in common is a strong self, self-critic, you, right? Uh, all, all of us, all humans. all humans. But for singing, hers is especially strong. There's an especially strong self-critic for singing. And so, you know, I love when she sings though, because it's, it sounds like her soul, well, you know, yeah. and, and I like, so she was singing to me the other night. She's like, you know, I know you want me to sing. I'd love to sing a song. It's like, what would you oh, want me to sing? I was like, oh, anything, anything you oh, want. That was so great. She starts singing something right. and just tears pouring down my face, yeah, just like pouring yeah. down my face as gift. I'm listening. And she just cuts the song off. She's like, oh, my voice is off today and <gasps> blah, blah, blah. And I go, oh, no, look no, at me. Yeah. Like, look, like, look at my heart. Like, look at how I feel. Like, look what your voice has actually created and like witness that rather than your own idea in your head, like witness what it's actually created. Yeah. You know, and it was like an interesting moment where, you know, you can get so caught up in what you think, how your voice should be and what it means. But if her purpose was to sing to me and have it have an effect, it absolutely did. Right. right. And so the reality of what it was versus your own idea of what it is can be crazy disparate well also it's because it's what it is to her as opposed to her singing and the gift it gave to you yeah and to accept that it's a gift to you and to shut down that voice of judgment and that's another part of this like that's that's it's the, the practice. The pra- it, it, That's the sadhana. I don't even know, like you were saying, slaying the dragon. I don't even know if we get to slay the dragon. We get to keep trying to slay the dragon. We get to, we, we get we to get learn to, keep... to withstand the fire. Yes. You know, yes. So that yeah, the dragon exactly. eventually is like, ah, I, I could breathe fire out of but <laughs> well, it, like... they don't fucking care. So whatever, you know, like. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't the, matter. The, the, the human, the divine human inside is immune to the fire. It's not at the octave where the fire is breathing. It's exactly. at a different octave. So the fire comes and you're like, ooh, interesting. It's like ghosts, like they're, Patrick Swayze's ghost, where someone, ghosts. the ghost is trying to punch him. And it's like, I'm not at that octave, bro. I'm in, I'm in reality octave. You're in ghost octave. You can't hit me. But we get in the way though, right? Yeah, so, totally. I mean, well, speaking of sing- Whitney and singing though, uh, a friend, um, an author who is this amazing, he's a, he's a baker and he's a banjo player and he's an opera singer. His name is Martin Philip. Anyway, but Martin was talking about how the voice in singing, because we were talking about, and he's a writer, so we were talking about writing, you know, you can cook for people, and it's something you give people, and you can pick up an instrument, you can play it, and you can, um, you know, all, all, all different kinds of things that you can sort of make and do, but singing, he said, is where the singer, the person, feels most vulnerable, because it, what you just said, it's like your soul. Mm made manifest because it come because the instrument is you yeah and he said like for somebody who does a lot of different musical things and has he has a lot of talents he said yeah when you sing that's when you really feel vulnerable so it's funny i end my book where because i surf and i think i wanted to learn i mean why not i suck at one thing i might as well pick up something else to suck at and i've always wanted to sing and i thought and when Martin said that, I thought, yeah, that's where you go. Go to the thing mm. that's the scariest. Like, yeah. I want to start singing and take singing lessons to do this. And and I haven't done it yet, but it's something I definitely am thinking about or you I think got about to. every and, day. You know, yeah. it really reminds me because one of the things that I do at all my transformational weekends and the Fit for Service Mastermind right. coming out, all these things that I have going, one of the most powerful, impactful practices, and this isn't just my projection. We have questionnaires where people talk yeah. about what was the most, what was the highlight of the weekend. It's the ecstatic dance that we lead. 
And the purpose of ecstatic dance is to dance so freely that you dance without any self-judgment. Like you push past those limitations of, well, if I move like this, that means I'm homosexual. And if I move like this, that means I'm not cool. And if I move like this, that means this. But radical expression of the human body moving yeah. to music, right? And then it's similar to singing in that way because when you're really dancing, it's just your body. It's just your body is in flow with the sound and you release and whatever comes out of your mouth, maybe it's a yell, or maybe it's a howl at the moon, or maybe it's whatever, but it's yeah. you, radically you. And for people to push past all of those limiting kind of judgments yeah. that have told them and, and kept them locked in certain movement patterns that other friends wouldn't laugh totally. at so that at the junior high school dance, they wouldn't get made fun of or or maybe they have good moves that they can do in the circle yeah, and get yeah, praise. Yeah, and yeah, then everybody's yeah. like, oh, yeah, good job. You did the running, man. Wow. Amazing. Like all of us have been in that. But to get in a place where you're radically accepted for any movement that yeah. you do and you're free to do it it changes the way you feel about yourself, yeah. you know? And you, that's you and important. I have, well, it's funny because you and I have talked about this before and when you read the book, you're going to see it's in there. Yeah. You talked about dancers yeah. and dancing and I went, my friend, Aubrey Marcus, talks about dancers. Amazing. And how the best dancers are people who just leave it on. The, you, what you said, I think it's like you said, my dancer friends love when basically bad dancers leave it all out yep. on the dance floor because that is a way of just saying, this is who I am. There's nothing better than watching somebody no. just go for just it. Just give it. And I've been on the, you know, I've done both. You know, I've done, I've been the dancer, but I've also been on the sidelines. And you think, wow, it, it, you want to be the person who's always leaving it out on the dance floor, but sometimes you don't want to do that. And then you go, why, why, why am I on the sidelines? I want to be out there dancing. Yeah. So you, again, it's like that thing. It's like, you know, you, you you're, it, it's, it's a practice. You got to keep practicing it. You mm. got to keep, and that's okay too. And then I think too, what happens is that when you do it yourself, right? So if you're going to be the person who's going to go out there on the dance floor, or I'm going to go out there and sit in the lineup and you know miss every wave and surf like a kook and 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 all that, it makes it really hard when you accept. Okay, so you have to do that. You have to get there where you're okay with it. Then you have to you know have self compassion, so you forgive yourself for being a you know a, a you know a bad dancer mm -hmm. or having a not a good voice or surfing badly or, you know, missing that putt on the green when you should have made it, whatever you want, whatever it is that you're doing. As soon as you forgive yourself for all of that failure, everybody else is like, wow, look how awesome they are for trying. You stop being an asshole. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you stop judging other people. And I have this idea where it's like, you know, that phrase that we all say is like, why don't they just catch the ball, pitch the ball, catch that wave, you know, make that putt, you know, dance better. Why don't they just do this? And I was like, there is no just. You know how hard things really <laughs> are? So as soon as you could eliminate that phrase, why don't they or why doesn't he or why doesn't she just do this and, and it'll be easy. And once you get used to trying things, and, and, and again, if you do one thing with intention that you suck at, then you are willing to try all different kinds of things and, you know, flounder and fail and you realize the pure joy and freedom of doing it you don't judge other people and that makes the world a better place yeah because totally. what's happening now we all know this what the internet has done and all the haters and the trollers and the people who are judging before they even you know you say three words and people you know attack your you know everything that you are and what yeah. your hair is doing and <laughs> and your you know the the tattoo and the fat on your arm whatever it is like you just like you you know as a, well everybody gets it but all that hate and you're like 
I want everyone to go and do something with intention and suck at it and then go try to judge other people. Yeah. You're, and forgive yourself. Sorry, you have to forgive yourself first. And then go and try to judge other you don't you don't do it anymore. All of a sudden what everybody's trying, they're just awesome. You know, I think it's it's funny because there's these shows like American Idol that have the harsh judge, like Simon, you yeah, know, and like yeah. people identify with the harsh judge because the harsh judge is in our own mind. Yes. So like watching Simon on American Idol, it's like, yeah, that's that's that nasty little troll that yeah. I have in my head too. <laughs> and he's just saying it out loud. And, yes. But the yeah. truth of the, the truth of the matter is when you're around real professionals <clears throat> and like yeah. The people I know, like that that story I told you about dancing, I was with Stephen Twitch Boss, who's like one of the best dancers in the world from uh, So You Think You Can Dance. He's on right. the Ellen Show as a DJ. He's yep. one of the top dancers in the world. And he was with his wife, who I think won the show, Allison Holker. And they're two of the best dancers in the world. And right. we go out and we have a dance party in Austin. They came to visit. Oh, much fun. And yeah. everybody at first was like, oh, damn. Right. These are like the best dancers in the world and they're fucking killing it. And then like slowly, like myself and a couple other people were like, fuck it. Let's just fucking <laughs> just send go. it. Yeah. You know, and then, and we're not uh, anywhere close to that, no, but to watch no. their excitement, like they were so excited. Yeah. They were as excited for us, all the people. And then it started, everybody started doing it because they saw how excited the professional dancers, they weren't in judgment. They're the best there is. And they weren't saying like, well, that's not really a good move. They were just like, yeah, whatever that is, <laughs> you're killing it. And it's yeah, lighting me up inside. And that's something yeah. I've seen over and over again. Like from my, one of my first best friends, Bodie Miller, like we'd go skiing together. He's yeah. the best skier in the world. Yep, yeah. We'd go skiing together and I'd push one on like some slalom <laughs> skis and really go and be huffing and puffing. And he'd be down at the bottom of the hill and be like, yeah. <laughs> it was like, I was like, I was all over the place. I was fucking sliding. I couldn't keep an edge. Yeah. Like it was fucked up. And he's yeah. like, yeah, but you went for it, man. Yeah. yeah. And it was like that, the, the truth of what, you know, what we think would be the harshest judge. Like, oh, I don't I want to ski with Bodie. Oh, I wouldn't want to dance with Twitch. No, you do, because then it'll teach you like the people who've put in all those hours because they started sucking too at some point when they've really put in all those hours, they just appreciate you trying trying and pushing your boundaries just a little bit. And that's inspiring to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's nothing. One of the great lessons I learned is surfing with somebody who's, who's, you know, like a semi-professional. He's amazing. He's he's become a really good friend. And if I'm surfing with him and I have a bad wipeout, which I always do. He cheers the wipeouts. Yeah. He's like, that was awesome. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, you come up, you're like, <laughs> you know, you know the, you've been in the water. You know what that feels like. Uh-huh. And, you know, some people will come up. I've had people paddle up to me and go, hey, are you okay? <laughs> you know, that's yeah, how bad yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, are you yeah. okay? Do you need any help? <laughs> it's like, no, I'm good. I got this. He will cheer the wipeouts and just go, he'll make sure that I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, haven't aspirated too much water. <laughs> but yeah. then he'll just cheer the wipeout. And I, the cheering of the wipeout sort of switched my brain a little bit too. And I thought, yeah, like, again, instead of, because I was afraid that like I would be judged by this amazing surfer. And it's like, mm-hmm. nah, you're out there. You're out there. Yeah, that was a moment when I was I was helping Whitney. She had a, a boxing match, her first boxing yeah. match. And it was, it actually turned into a kind of big thing because it got contentious and there was a big crowd and it was going to be online. Wow. I mean, there was going to be tens of thousands of people who were going to see yeah. this boxing match for a very first amateur fight, right? Yeah. And she was fighting someone who'd been in like six or seven fights already. This was her first fight. The girl was tough for sure. And it was like the morning of the fight and she was kind of wandering around outside. So I go check in with her. Yeah. And, uh, 
and she was just, you know, kind of alert. Like, what if I get beat up? What if I get knocked out? What if, what if that happens? And I was like, yeah, what if that happens and you just pop up and you raise your hands like a victorious champion and like, yeah, yeah. even after you got your ass kicked, like yeah. what happens then? And, and she goes, oh, well, the crowd would be pretty fucking fired up. Like they would be excited by that. Like, yes, that would be a cool moment. And I was like, absolutely. The beauty queen gave fighting a go, gave it their, gave it her yeah. best, got knocked out, gets back and up, came up, came up with victorious. a bloody nose and is like, yes, yeah, I, I did, did it. it. You know, and everybody <laughs> else would go, yes, you she did, did it. it. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so you could totally reframe it. And it, at that moment, you saw the smile creep and it was like, yeah. oh, so the worst fear, if yes. I respond to the worst fear, with courage and with a smile, everybody else has the permission to do the same thing and actually right. celebrate even the moment of the most disastrous failure. The effort. The effort. Just celebrate the effort. I mean, it's almost that simple, but we just, I don't know. Like I, I keep going back to this, trying to look at the origin of this need to, no, not the origin of the need to succeed because that's not right. It's what we believe is success. Like what is success and what does it look like, right? Mm -hmm. Does it look like winning that bout or just entering the ring? I wouldn't enter that ring. Yep. I mean, Wit enters not that many ring. many people would. She enters that ring. I mean, I, I think about it a lot <laughs> and I want to do it, but I would be scared. I mean, yeah. but you think about that and you're going, you entered the ring, done. And it doesn't mean that you're, you know, people always say, I get pushback sometimes. They go, well, you know, but does it, if you suck at something, well, do you get better at it? I'm like, well, hell yeah, you're going to get better mm. at it. Yeah, yeah, you will. You're going to do something over and over and over and over again. I'm a much better surfer now than I was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, I still suck. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, people say, well, you surf. I was like, well, yeah, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> I mean, you do learn something along the way. But the point is, is that I don't actually attach meaning to the getting better as much as I attach meaning to the fact that I'm still doing it yeah and when i have an awesome session and i have them sometimes and my best session in the world of course was well not of course they are the most counterintuitive best sessions right mm -hmm. like you know the things that brought me to that best session were usually great the the deepest moments of humility yeah like and, and you learn Where the self that is the most out of the way when you are it's so hard. I always say, like, people scream at me in the lineup. And, you know, sometimes I have people calling me into waves. And if somebody calls me into wave, I will make that wave. I will surf it. I will surf it well. And people say, what? Like, that's all I had to say. Yeah, your voice sometimes has to be louder than the one in my head. I need uh -huh. you to do that. And they're like, oh, that's cool. I got this. And then they scream. It's like, yell at me in the lineup. You know, yeah, yeah. and it's just like, but I learned that that's what I needed. I learned that the noise in my head sometimes stops me. And that if you ask for an assistant, you say, can you be the louder voice? Like, I'm going to admit that that's where I'm messed up. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is just like that complete humility of being, you know, I surfed. One of my sessions was like when I had had cancer and I was between treatments and I was a, I was a mess. And I surfed a wave. Well, you can't see my hands, but I surfed a wave. It was like a two foot wave with my son. And it took everything I had. To, I mean, it's a little wave. It was a little peeler. And everything I had just to get up, crawl up on mm. the board and surf that wave. And it's still my best wave. I've taken waves that were head high. I've surfed like, you know, some, you know, some solid waves. That little tiny two foot wave 
when I was, my ass had been kicked. Yeah. And I got out there and I was surfing with Rocco and we actually popped up on the same wave and rode it together. And I thought that wave is embedded in my brain as the most, one of the most beautiful moments of my life. And I can access that. And it wasn't me at my most kick ass. It was me at the worst moment. Mm. And you think, yeah. That's what sucking at something teaches you. And and that's, you talk about the definition of success. It's really a completely subjective reality. Yes. And that's where we get all fucked up because we make it objective. Oh, a good voice sounds like this. Good voice that's on the radio. A good surf session sounds, looks like this. Shredder and the pro, Hawaii pro surf fucking competition, right? (laughs) Right. Like we have all these, oh, a good photo on Instagram looks like this Instagram model who has got, you know, the best everything and, and, so we have this objective reality of success or an right. objective reality of what your bank account should look like, what your car should look like, totally. where you should go, totally. how successful you should be. It's absolutely subjective. Totally. Absolutely subjective. And all of those little victories may not be celebrated by the unconscious masses. But when you have the people who can see you or you can even see yourself, yeah. you can recognize when you're stepping into the most radical subjective success. Because that's another thing that Bodhi taught me. He was like, you know, these medals these are somebody else's opinion on how I ski. This is the time's opinion. Like if I win a gold, it doesn't mean shit to me unless I skied the mountain the best I could in the way I could. It could just mean that the other skiers, you know, had a bad day and I would just, I also did too. Like, so it was like, he had no objective measure of his own success. It was completely subjective. So he could come, not place at all, hit the bottom and like, fuck that was awesome you know <laughs> yeah, like that yeah. was i fucking yeah. gave it that yeah. time and he could win a gold and i watched him win a gold at beaver creek and then it would be like you got the gold he's like yeah you know it's a it's a decent run i, I wasn't i wish i would have blah 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 and he, he like he didn't give a shit about the gold he was yeah. like it wasn't quite the right thing you know and it was, and the other times i've seen him just fucking wipe out and be like that was the sickest run <laughs> and i was like yeah he's yeah, like yeah because he's He's he seeing an experience. Reality. He has his own frame, his own yeah. framing of it. But also that I think that's something amazing too. And I love this sort of juxtaposition of somebody who's really, you know, struggles and is not good at what they do, and then the best, right? And you were talking about with your dancer friends. Mm-hmm. You're talking about with Bodie Miller, and I have some examples of you know some of the best people at what they do in there. The best are the most humble. Yeah. So Absolutely. they're not the people in between going, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I can serve bombs in Bali or whatever it is that people talk yeah. about. The best are always really humble. And that's a beautiful thing. And we can learn, those of us who are the opposite of the best can learn from that. You're going, well, if they're humble, why why not learn that lesson? Yeah. Of, you know, we're never going to surf like that person or, you know, dance like that person or sing or ski but why not learn like that humility? Humility is, is beautiful. I always say like humility comes from, you know, the the, the word, um, the etymology of it is that it's, it's, it's humus. It's the ground. Mm. And we love being grounded. We love people who are down to earth. It's a good thing, right? But it's also the um, basis for the word humiliation. And I go, there's humiliation and there's humility basis of the word is the same. And we can look at it as being grounded and being down to earth, which we admire, or we can look at it as being exposed, right? And yeah. humiliation. And my thing is like, you just need to wipe that part out. 
because humility is a beautiful thing. Humiliation is where humility gets swallowed by our ego. Mm. They're very close though, right? Yeah. You know, they, they, they skate really close to each other. And as soon as you sort of look at it that way, you can catch yourself, right? Going, oh, I feel humiliated when really I should just be humbled. Different mm -hmm. thing. Being humbled, good thing. Humiliation, bad thing. Different mm -hmm. ego over here. So you know, listen, we, you know, ego is the monster, right? Like that's what we're yeah. all fighting all the time. And and we, you know, we can know it. We can we you and I just talked about this, you know, earlier today. You can you can be aware of it intellectually, but somehow, you know, your intellect is awful is also your ego in a yeah. way right so you've got to like get beyond well and your that. ego can know that humility is praised and valued and a humility so acting in humility and acting humble is actually a form of manipulation so well, that you can acting, gain favor right so so the it. ego can the ego can oh, actually can, can, do a can hijack yeah. <laughs> exactly can hijack and pretend oh, well, to be yeah, humble right yes and that's gross well, that's that's gross too that's and and so that's, sometimes you can, you can see that though. you can sometimes, sometimes the true. ego the ego is it's it's a magician yeah you know what yeah. i mean and i think sometimes people think that humility requires that you drop yourself to the ground like that that even if you are standing as a mountain you don't you aren't you aren't your mountain you you have to be the ground and so like i've seen other people who really actually if they were being truly humble that's just showing up in radical truth of who they are it's like a radical truth of who, and sometimes that radical truth is big. Yeah, you know, and sometimes yeah, that beautiful. radical truth is yeah. big and yeah. beautiful, and it's not showing and not stepping, but it's just being like, yeah, actually, here I am, and I, I am big and and beautiful, and I love you, and you are too, and but I'm not going to lower myself. And supplicate well, that's myself. False humility. That's false humility. False humility is a sin too. Right. <laughs> it's like that's bad too. Right. So because it's the like, show. It's again, it's that mask of cool that you talk about, oh, that mask yeah, of totally. vulnerability, that mask of humility, rather than the authentic expression, which is just, wow, here I am. Here's all my flaws. Here's all my things. But here's how I'm fucking beautiful and sexy and, and amazing in all the oh, ways. Oh, yeah. Too. You want to celebrate that? <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Well, but that does get that is where that's what this journey is about. So the, you talk about cool and vulnerability. And I have this section in the book where I say that if you start out wanting to be cool, right? So if your objective is being cool, well, then cool is a mask for vulnerability. So if it's a mask for vulnerability, you can't really be vulnerable, right? Because mm -hmm. it's covering it up. Mm -hmm. And if you're vulnerable, it prevents you from real gratitude, true gratitude, right? If you're, if you're not vulnerable, it's hard to be thankful for stuff if you actually aren't open hearted yeah. right and if, if you're you, not allowing yourself to feel if you're because you're projecting that you don't feel that you're beyond that then right. how are you going to have any gratitude or compassion or any any it, it, it cuts not, you off it, from it, everything it, it's like it, it just like it's a big stopper right yeah. and then and then resilience i always think is part of that journey too is that if you're not if you if you're not vulnerable and then you're not grateful how do you find true resilience? Because resilience is in, it's personal resilience, but it's also resilience is in a system where you seek the help and the kindness, you know, and the support of others. Mm. If you start being vulnerable, and this is hard, this is hard, this is one of the hardest things we have to do. If you can start that way, not worry about being cool. So this is the second something thing. It's like, I just Fuck it. I'm just going to go try it. I don't care what I look like or, you know, I, you know, and you start being, you know, the vulnerability sort of 
fosters this idea of like, you can be grateful for so much. And that gratitude helps build resilience. And there's nothing cooler in the whole world than real resilience and uh, and authenticity. And authenticity is one of those slippery words. Like, what does that even, it's hard to, it's hard to grasp, right? What does that, what does that mean to be your authentic self? Like we're all looking for it. But again, the ego and the false humility, there are a lot of little tricksters along the way mm-hmm. that kind of just like it, it, it distracts us and, 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 and we can't get to it. But I always think like you can't start and you know, you know what that is. It's like you, the whole derivation, I, there's a brilliant book by this guy named Joel Dinerstein and it's about cool, about the, I love this book. It's about being cool. One of his theories is that coolness the idea of cool, his theory, is that it started in the 30s and 40s by these black jazz musicians who were basically pushing against the Uncle Tomming, right? And having to like not be scary so that the white guy didn't come and, mm-hmm. and mess them up. So mm-hmm. they had to be, they had to get out, they had to perform on stage without being intimidating, right? But they didn't want to do the thing, you know, of, you know, making sure that you're comfortable with their yeah, blackness. Yeah, yeah. So you know what they do? It was a kind of detachment and go, okay, I'm vulnerable. I'm going to detach a little bit. And it became cool. And of course, that cool was a kind of cultivated detachment, which everybody looked at and goes, whoa, I want to do that. <laughs> and that made them very powerful. So our notion of cool becomes this aesthetic detachment, but it's born out of this enormous vulnerability. Yeah. So Lester Young, you know, sort of, you know, started the, you know, the, the sunglasses on stage, you know, mm-hmm. windows of the soul, you can't see my eyes. Mm-hmm. You don't get to see my eyes. So that pulling away and that detachment sort of, I love this idea. It's like, oh, you can see where cool is a cover for vulnerability. It, it It's an exercise in detachment so that you are not vulnerable. It becomes incredibly powerful and appealing. So people want it. They just want it without earning it. And they want to game it. And you can't do that. This book is amazing. It's wow. really, really good. And it really helps you to sort of understand, you know, why we're compelled by the notion of being cool. Why you can't just buy it, act it? You, yeah, because you, you could you, you could play it and pretend it, but really to earn it, you have to have gone through the vulnerability, yes. looked it square in the eye, made the adaptation to it, and have a genuine place of, yeah, I'm okay with the possible outcomes that could be here. I know who I am, yes. and I'm not looking at every single person as a mirror back at me to judge myself about who I am. And, I just am who I and am. And that's when you show up, and, and you don't you have show- false humility, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you're saying, I'm awesome. I am, but you I can't am. get there you can't until fake it. You, you, can't you can't just can't put fake- the sunglasses on and no, be like, here I am. Cool. Yes. And inside be boiling and and dealing with all these things. you got to go through that process. It's like the vulnerability. Be like, imagine you're a a god and you're trying to lift weights but your muscles are already in perfection so they don't even receive any of the breakdown of <laughs> right. the muscle fiber when you're training so they don't have the adaptation yeah, to vision. grow again yeah. right like all the vulnerability yes. is opening yourself up 
to receive that hormetic stress so that you can actually adapt and become stronger. But if you cut off your ability to be vulnerable, you'll have no adaptation. You won't actually make any progress towards the goal that you're heading towards. Yeah, no, I, it's one. It's it's funny because one of the, you know, we keep coming. What, what I found when I was writing this is like, there are two things about that kept coming up. So vulnerability is one of those ideas that comes up in so many different guises, right? And it just does because it's 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 embedded in so much. And then also this idea of belief, like what is be- belief? Like what what is that? And you know, there's uh, there's also this idea that when you open yourself up, as we were talking about control and surrender and surrender control, right? That kind mm-hmm. of spin. And sort of the nature of belief and it's self-belief, belief in a higher power, you know, just the nature of belief. And it's like, I didn't even understand the notion of belief. I really, I really didn't. Like I was raised Catholic, you know, I went to church, I did catechism, I did all this stuff, but you know, you're taught, it comes at you, right? But I didn't really get it. And it was through getting my ass kicked, you know, surfing, where I actually prayed, really prayed. For the first time, like I, not for the first time, but I prayed in a way that I, I don't know, I had been beat up by mm. taking 17 waves on the head. I counted them and <laughs> and I was, I was done. I'm done. I'm gone. I, I can't, I can't. And I just looked up and I go, God, I am not one of your faithful. Can you just help me out? And you know what happens, right? You know what happens? The ocean stopped. The ocean friggin' stopped moving. And I paddled out past the break. And I sit there and I go, whoa. Okay, what was that? What was that? And I was like giggling like a maniac. I really was. I was going, that was amazing. And I thought, you asked for help. You asked for help, not from a surfer, not from something else. You asked for help that was beyond you. Yeah. You know, the tide, the wind, the, you know, the, 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 the bottom of the ocean. Like all these things were working. You know what I mean? You know, okay. And I... You know, I, I, I'd been there for so long. Chances were the ocean was going to stop at some point. You know, you, you, can, you can rationalize it away. doesn't matter. Because I asked. I got an assist. I get out there. And I'm sitting out in the ocean. <laughs> and, of course, you know what happens next. I'm sitting there going. So I've been surfing for about two hours, and I haven't caught a wave. I know you just stopped the ocean moving for me so I can get past the break. <laughs> can I be a little greedy? <laughs> and can I have one wave? I just want one wave for this session, and then I will just – I will – I will be okay. And I turn around and here comes a wave. And I go, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> I'm going for that wave. Because I think God just sent me that wave. You know, yeah. Paddle, paddle, paddle. I get up, get up, surf the wave, surf the sections, get out. And I just get out and I am very quieted. And mm. I think I just learned one of the biggest lessons of my entire life. And this is the idea of I didn't know what belief was. Belief was just allowing, getting, making you not the biggest part of the picture, Mm. making something else the bigger picture. And I surfed that wave. And it changed, that wave changed me. It it did, it it changed me. I thought, I I understand something about belief now, and it's just not about you, Karen. You're out there trying to surf these waves is you. What if you just let that go? And I learned that lesson for the second time in a very different set of circumstances this summer after a ceremony that I had, a plant ceremony. And I asked the universe 
for help in a way. And I can't, I mean, it, what happened the next day when I surfed was just the most mind-blowing thing that's ever happened to me. And I thought those two moments were when I stopped making myself the whole story. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, beautiful to hear it applied to surfing because I've seen it applied in my life in so many different ways. Times where, you know, I've truly asked for help at the most challenging point of my relationship and yeah. received wisdom that was far beyond my even poetic grasp you know yeah. and and yeah. and other times where i've been wanting to give a speech i gave a speech at burning man after my accident and wow. at that point you know i was still pretty raw and still pretty vulnerable yeah and i just prayed i was just like let whatever words need to come through me come wow. through me like you know wow. please and just totally opened it up and like had no objective. It's a burning man, you know, like there was no, yeah. and I'm, and I just let the words come and it was by far the best I, speech I've ever given. Yeah. And I, and I finish it and I go off stage and I, as soon as I get out of there, I just start weeping. Yeah. I was going to say Cause I just that. start weeping yeah. like, oh wow. What just happened? What just, like I sur when I surrendered myself, yes. surrendered myself to those higher powers within me I'll, I'll take it that maybe they're within me already but it felt yeah. like it was coming through me completely yeah, through me and that's the same again the same thing it doesn't matter if it's in you it's through you yeah it's, you know, whatever it, the just, thing whatever. is just surrendering yourself yes. your objective your intention your goals all these things that your mind has to be there for let all that shit go yep. and ask for help and you'll be fucking shocked <laughs> and on a very yeah. trivial way yeah i've done that on the slack line before and been, oh, yeah, like, I, been like, you know, great spirit, you know, I want to walk to the end of the other, I want to walk to the end of this slack, like, may I walk to the end of this slack? Or not, I don't even know how I do it. I just yeah, like, great yeah. spirit, like, guide my feet. You know what I mean? And I like, re revort, and, and I'll fucking, I'll be falling off all day, and I'll just have that one ride straight through, and I'll just laugh. I'll just get to the other side and I'll just laugh. Yeah. And people will be like, wow, man. And I'm like, whoa. I was like, wow. You know what I mean? Did I just do that? that? <laughs> like, whoa. But it was just a surrender of the meanness, the surrender yes. of the identification as me and just saying, no, like, great spirit, like, take, move my feet, you know? And like, that, that thing is fucking powerful. It is. And it's hard to get there. It's but hard. You, but you, you but, but we all can. Try. We all can. Yeah, yeah, we all can. And you have to keep trying. And that's the thing. It's like, and if you fail, like if you had asked that question and you fell off halfway, you just go back to the beginning and do it again. And yeah. that the thing is not, is not to quit. Yeah. Don't quit. Yeah. And Quitting. if you're, and if you're doing it also as a test, like, oh, see, knew it you, wouldn't work. <laughs> Your mind was still active the whole time anyways, you know, like you have to, it's like a real release. It's just a real release, yes. a release yeah. of outcome, a release of, a release into the, into the faith, into the faith that you will get help, you know, from other people, from whatever things that are out there, whatever yeah. forces that are there. Yeah. Uh, William James has a great story in the will to believe, you know, the 19th century, um, um, psychologist and philosopher and he basically says he talks about the will to believe and that you have to suspend you have to be there is going to be doubt and that's part of what belief is is that it wouldn't be belief if there weren't or if there were proof of concept right so yeah. and he basically says if you're in a mountain pass and you reach a chasm that you have to jump to the other side to survive it does not help you not to believe that you won't make the other side. So you better believe you make the other side, which is going to put you in a much 
better place for that outcome yeah. as opposed to saying being full of doubt and fear and not what he says willing your feet to make that leap yeah because between those belief and non-belief is life and death and and that's what they say about prayer too it's like yeah. pray as if it has already been done which is the radical belief that you are already there like so when you pray it's it's not like you're asking for in this helpless state of favor and, and, right. and it's really like you pray as if you've already it's you use belief as if it's already there because by the praying yeah. you believe that it's happening already and it's and it's this weird way to co-opt your belief yeah. into into actually manifesting into yeah, reality was, yeah, and like yeah. placeboing yourself immediately like you pray to get well but instead of just at, identifying with the sickness and hoping you get well pray to get well and harness the belief that you are already well which is the placebo effect which does make people well like this isn't this yeah, isn't woo woo this is proven in every single clinical yes. trial that yeah. belief actually affects wellness but if you totally. can harness your emotions through prayer whatever practice you have to utilize belief and actually make it real then you are using the scientifically proven placebo effect to help you in whatever thing that you're doing yes yeah. <laughs> oh, the, and then the opposite is true right because yeah, there's the, the nocebo, nocebo. yeah <laughs> you just finish each other's sentences yeah. at this point but, the, but it's exactly though so you kind of go like and that's just proof and like yes the studies have been done so you read that stuff and you're going okay i dare you to read this and then walk away from it and say nah like yeah. you, you can't you can't because it's all there i mean that's that's in the, in the book too and again it's that it's that will to believe and also there have been studies about faith-based um, sort of, you know, you know, people who have a faith-based practice, whatever it is, it, it can be anything. Like spirituality can be very, very loosely defined, but it's there. I mean, we both practice it in our way. Yeah. But that the outcomes for emotional duress, for psychological well-being, you know, for mental, for physical wellness, the studies have now been done to prove that having a foundation of belief, whatever that belief is, um, is one of the most powerful things. And again, it's like you've got the placebo studies, but then you have, you know, it's hard to study spirituality, but now these studies are being done and proven. Well, because they're, they're the antithesis powerful. of fear. And then fear is the thing that's creating all the cortisol, all the oh, stress, oh, all the yeah. inflammation, all so much of our duress, physically, emotionally, yeah. psychically, spiritually comes from the opposite of faith. Which is fear, because we have a wild, unknown world ahead of us. It's yeah. wildly unknown, and we have this desperate attempt to know it, and desperate attempt to avoid all the yeah. unknown, yeah. but we'll never bridge the fucking gap with our mind and our planning. We can have some ideas about things, but right. those ideas change with the snap of a finger. I thought I was going to do a fucking podcast, and I wound up with a guardrail slicing my face in half. Like, I didn't expect that. I couldn't <laughs> no, plan for that. No, no. But... So you can look out at the future with fear and I could be afraid every time I get behind the wheel. What if that happens again? What if I right. pass out again? And then every time I drive, it's a traumatic experience. And then, or I just have faith that that was an anomaly. And so fear or faith becomes that binary choice that allows me to bridge towards the unknown and right. changes my present state, which is really the thing that fucking matters. Right. Can right. I get in a positive present state right. now so that I enjoy my fucking life and can laugh and can play and right. can be the Aubrey that I know I am when I'm at my best, which is a little bit mischievous and a lot of <laughs> laughter yeah, and yeah. a lot of play and some, that's yeah. when I'm really myself. And can I be that? Well, I can't be that if I'm afraid, but I can be that if I have belief and I have faith. Right. And not live in the past, 
not live in the future. Nope. I mean, this is, and again, we hear this over and over and every, we were talking about every, like every practice, every religion, every philosophy, like it all comes back to this. And it's like, we're bad at it. So you're going, well, you don't have to be though. Like you can keep, <laughs> you can keep trying to do that. And what we said earlier is like, you don't get to know, you don't get to know. Yeah, and guess what? You can suck at faith and you can suck at belief, well, and that can be the thing you suck it, at, and absolutely. that can be the thing you get better at. Absolutely. You know? I love it. <laughs> so good. There's so much more we can talk about. I know. Our time talk. is up. I want to talk next time. We'll have to do this again. I want to talk. We had a great discussion about guilt. We have a great discussion about play. Oh, yeah. There's so many cool things to talk yeah, about. Yeah, about work, um, the work, work life balance. We'll talk about that. All of that. All that. We this will. is awesome. We'll do it again. I'd love to. Love Thanks seeing so you when I'm out I here. Love, I love these conversations. Me too. Whether they're on the podcast or sitting at the bar or having breakfast. They're the best. Yeah. So good. Everybody check out her book. It's great to suck at something. The exceptional benefits of being unexceptional. Boom. Oh, hold it up. Ryan Giles hold says, it hold it up for the viewers at home it, to see this cover. Look, you got a cover it, early. This and book it's is not Yeah, it's available May 7th. So, May 7th. Yep. It comes out. Yep got some time but got a little time it's on the way i don't know when this podcast is releasing but you will have time <laughs> no doubt because we're early karen it was great to be here with you thank you so much Thanks, i love Robert. these conversations and i'm looking forward to many more yeah and hopefully more books mutually that we get to I talk think, about i think so. i think it's a lifetime i think it is too. i do it is too. Thank thanks you. everybody thanks. peace i hope you guys enjoyed the podcast with karen definitely check out her book it's great to suck at something and enjoy sucking at things. Enjoy sucking at everything. Enjoy sucking at something new today, right now, after you're listening to this podcast. Get fired up. Share with your friends. I always appreciate that. Reviews, comments, all the feedback is definitely appreciated. Go to my website, aubreymarcus.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Lots of interesting things always coming out there. And of course, you can save money going to onit.com slash Aubrey and shopping for all your human optimization needs. Much love. I'll see you next week, fam.